0: Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 through 6 is where we're going to be this morning again. As I read through this, it made me think of someone that I heard about in church history. Um, it was kind of a passing story, one of those uh, interesting kinds of anecdotes that, you, that the professor may use to start off the class to kind of get you interested. And then as I was reading one of the commentaries, it reminded me of this man's story, and his name was Daniel the Stylite. He lived in the 5th century A.D. in Turkey. He was called a stylite not because of his, like, uh, dress or his hair or anything like that, but because he lived a long portion on a tall pillar, a long portion of his life on a tall pillar. Pillar, uh, the word stylus, like where we think of a stylus or a pen, it's just a word for a, a pole or a pillar. And uh, it was built near the city of Constantinople, modern-day Istanbul. And uh, he stood there for days on end, and years even. Uh, he was thought to have lived there for 33 years at one particular stint in his life. Why did he do that? Sounds odd, doesn't it? Well, he believed, and many even in that day, believed that by doing such things, it would bring them closer to God. He believed that depriving himself of, like, physical pleasure that he could better pursue the spiritual life. He went further, that by punishing himself, even, that he could go to the next level, as it were, of of spirituality, that he could attain some kind of next level. This has always been popular in Christianity. It's usually known by the word asceticism, uh, if you're interested in looking that up. But the word literally means to exercise, and so they would just kind of do these odd things to kind of work at their spiritualness. Spirituality is something that Christians have always talked about, but most aren't prepared to give a definition of what that actually means. Well, he's a very spiritual person. What does that even mean? You know, Christians, well, they couldn't define it, right? We typically think about personal devotion maybe. Well, maybe they read their Bible a lot or they pray or they have daily devotions or they write in a journal or and take pictures of it and post it on Instagram, or they attend some sort of conference, right? A yearly conference that is a spiritual kind of experience. Or we may think of something like fasting, right? Or some other kind of uh, deprivation, like the aesthetics did in those days. Spirituality is not necessarily a bad thing either. Don't hear me saying spirituality is bad, because it's, it's definitely not the case. But like all things, it needs a proper understanding. It needs a proper context in order to understand it. In our text today, we're going to see that very idea. We'll see Paul use it in the context of the Christian religion being lived out, as it were, and what that looks like. As we've seen in the past several weeks, freedom in Christ isn't just about the work that he did to merit our salvation. Absolutely, that is the case. But it's also the work that we are doing in response to our salvation. We don't do work to improve upon our salvation, but to demonstrate that it's a fact to demonstrate that we are saved. We see that same theme continuing today with how we interact with one another as people in God's church. As we move through this passage, we'll consider the theme of spirituality in the context of the church with three main ideas, restoring one another, bearing one another's burdens, and teaching one another. And so... Look with me, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Please stand with me in the honor of reading of God's holy word. Galatians 6, 1 through 6. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. So just for some quick context, remember last week we talked about the fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh and those two ideas being important and how a Christian should keep in step with the Spirit by showing these fruits of the Spirit. Yet the fruits of the Spirit aren't an opportunity for conceit or pride. It's exactly what we see at the end of chapter 5. They're not an opportunity for us to talk about ourselves, rather... They're an opportunity to worship God for His goodness to us and through us. So as we move forward today, we see the outworkings of that in this text. How should we then be dealing with one another in the context of demonstrating those fruits of the Spirit? Those who demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit are, help those who are struggling to do so. Christians' spirituality has to do with their showing the work of the Spirit in their lives. That's important. The idea being that as we grow and mature in Christ, we are showing those traits more and more. That growth doesn't come from standing on a pole in a desert. It comes from the act of sanctification, which is the work of the Spirit happening in our lives. It's something that we also participate in. We understand that from the Scriptures. But this is happening even in spite of us. We are being made more and more holy. Through the Spirit's work in our lives. Since the Spirit is the primary mover then in our spirituality, we don't have to keep, we don't have to keep score by standing on poles or by sharing our faith in line at McDonald's or by doing anything else that we consider spiritual. You know, whatever our, even our own individual cultural contexts may be. Rather, in those times, When we see a brother or sister struggling, we lift them up. We bear their burdens, and that is what the text here calls spiritual. We do this because it will be us next time. It will be us who need others to bear our burdens. It's not super-Christians helping all of us weaklings along, but it's a group of messed-up people being carried along by a perfect God, helping one another along the way. And we show one another the truth of the gospel in that process. So let's get to the first point, restoring one another. Verse 1, chapter 6. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourselves, lest you too be tempted. So first, we see this act of restoration, which comes after sin, or after some sins. A few things here, just to point out, Paul uses the term brothers here, which in the original language really could be brothers and sisters. It's more of a greeting, a fraternal or a uh, familial kind of greeting to a group of people, a way that you would do if you were among the people of God, right? Calling them brothers and sisters in Christ, something that I do, something that you've heard other ministers do a lot. Then he speaks of someone caught in sin. Right. If, if anyone is caught in any transgression, this is literally surprised by sin. If you look at the original language, the picture here is kind of like a trap being set and someone stumbling on that trap, being caught unaware. This is a, to talk about the type of sin that is in view, which is the type that believers deal with generally in our lives, right? This isn't an unrepentant, besetting kind of sin, in the believer's life, but rather those sins that we struggle with because we are all at war with the flesh, each one of us. It's important to draw the distinction here because repentance is what separates us as the believer. Repentance is what separates the believer from the unbeliever. That isn't to say that the believer will not struggle with the same sins as as we entra- uh, we're entrapped by the same kinds of things, for sure. The sin that one person struggles with may not ensnare another person. I think that's important to understand as well. We all understand that. But the type of sin where a person willingly walks into it, dwells in that sin, that is a problem. That's not what's going on here in the text today, and I think that's important to, to look at as well. Remember... God's instruction to Cain. Sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. It's almost as if God of Cain and the God of Paul, who wrote these words, knew what was going on. That sin, in some ways, is like crouching at the door, ready to ambush you, right? It's a snare, just waiting to master us, yet we must master it. For the one who uses the snare of sin as a blanket, who welcomes that, who welcomes that sin, that's not what's going on here, right? This isn't, this passage isn't talking about that kind of sin. I think we could go into that in another time together, but this is just talking about the general sin that we have and that we deal with as believers. Those people who have those unrepentant kinds of sin, they don't need restoration, at least from us, they need restoration From Jesus who brings salvation. But for those of us who are caught in a transgression, it is up to those who are spiritual to restore us. And here's that spiritual distinction again. Which isn't looking to some upper class of Christians to move in and save the day. It's not at all what's going on here. Rather, it's just to describe what all Christians should be doing in their walk with Christ spiritual Christian is one who readily restores their brother or sister when they are caught in sin. We read in the scriptures several times that God is patient, that he is slow to anger, that one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience, especially patience with one another in our growth in Christ. We have to be quick to restore. And let's understand what we mean by that. Also, what does it mean by restoration? Restoration isn't bringing someone back into the church. We're not talking about that, right? Restoring them and that, bring they were out of the church and now they're back in. That's not what's going on here. Or calling someone who wasn't a Christian a Christian or something along, or anything that profound at all. Those are this other issue altogether. It's treating someone who has sinned against us or sinned against others as if they had never sinned. It's remembering the status that they had before. It's restoring them to their former status. The status before that sin was committed. Giving them that same status. That's what it means to restore somebody. It's not with strings attached. You're literally putting them back in the same place they were before they sinned. give you an example to kind of help understand this idea. When I was in high school, I played football. And we were at an away game and I was kind of an angry kid as a high school uh, football player and we were walking off the field and for our, we just had our pregame warm-ups we were walking back into the dressing room or whatever and uh, one of the opposing players was there he was on crutches so he wasn't able to play the game so he was making some comments to us as we walked back in and he looked at me and made something that I took issue with and so I just walked up to him and threw him on the ground and I became angry like really angry kind of unexpected right it was just kind of this thing that happened i don't know why that particular kid made me mad that night well my coach did exactly what he should have done he took me out of the game and he sat me for the first half of the game yet after halftime or at halftime he spoke to me and he restored me as a starter back to my original there wasn't any sort of caveat with that there wasn't any sort of strings attached It wasn't because I deserved it. I learned my lesson or anything like that. That wasn't, the strings weren't attached. Did you Did you figure it out? You're never going to do that again? Nothing along those lines. He restored me. I didn't deserve it. That's not the point. He restored me, taught me an important lesson, not only how to deal with my sin, but also about mercy. And in much the same way, we must restore one another. In fact, I'll say this, not to do so is to show ourselves to be of the world. Only those in Christ can truly understand what it means to be forgiven and restored. Since being in Christ means that we have been forgiven sins and nailed, those sins nailed the sinless Son of God to the cross. We have been restored from our, from being dead in our sins to being joint heirs with Jesus. We in Christ have a restoration that is something that we can't even understand. It's so profound. And so anyone If anyone should understand restoration, it's us in Christ. And we show ourselves to have the Spirit in us when we give that type of restoration to others. I will give a quick word on restoration of those who have these more besetting sins, these kinds of sins that are unrepentant. They merit maybe even a more severe kind of discipline. Even it could be something that someone's repentant on, but it, the sin itself is so—it's just it affects a lot of people, and it's it's some kind of uh, you know particularly egregious type of sin. Well, for you know if someone shows themselves to be an un, to be unrepentant, I think it's important that we understand that believers repent, unbelievers don't, and so there's that. Um, but if you know if the sin is particularly bad, then it may be important for the church to step in and discipline that believer. And what's the purpose of church discipline? Restoration. Every time. Again, we've been get forgiven so much more than we can ever possibly imagine. And so, to dangle forgiveness over another believer is what the world will do, not what the church should do. And I think that's important. And I think it's also important to understand that when a believer has that happening to them, a true believer desires that process. They don't, they don't run from it. They want that restoration and they want that real discipline that the church can give. There's a whole lot more that can be said of this, of course, but I think it's important for us to understand that when we interact with believers who, have, who are in sin, that restoration ultimately is the goal the church should always be willing to bear one another just as christ bears us and that leads us to the next point bearing one another's burdens look with me at verses two and three bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself bearing one of those burdens is really a picture of the christian walk it's the picture of a life that is way too much for us to bear on our own so we need one another there's this weird kind of idea going around in the evangelical circles that God will never give you more than you can handle that is just bad it's not true God always gives us more than we can handle because life in general is more than we can handle how do I demonstrate that? I sin every day I demonstrate that I'm unable to handle anything that he gives me because I sin. We live in a sinful world. We live amongst a sinful people. We live with the sinner that's in the mirror. Life is hard. If we ever get to the point where we think God will only give me easy things, then we don't understand the God that we worship. God desires nothing more than for his people to rest in him. To only ever need Him. To love Him with all of our soul, our mind, and our strength. Everything that we have. Of course, life is going to be too difficult for us to do on our own. And so we should call upon Him. That is the absolute <laughs> truth of Scripture. Where people go wrong is when they start to do it by themselves. We do so, we, we live this life in complete reliance upon Him. Those who are spiritual show themselves by humility, realizing their weakness and their dependence upon one another in the church. You need to understand this, brothers and sisters in Christ. It is not a Christian virtue to be independent from the church. And for when someone says, the only thing I need is me and Jesus, that is not a virtuous statement. It's a sinful one. If we think that we are something... We are nothing. We lie to ourselves. The person who says, I don't need the church, is lying. They don't just have bad theology, they're telling you a lie. They're deceiving themselves, they're deceiving others. One of the purposes of the church, of the Christian in the church, is to bear the burdens of other Christians. The picture here, this burden that's being talked about, is a heavy weight that requires more than one person to carry. The picture that comes to mind is an injured soldier on a battlefield with other soldiers carrying them off. Not just one person dragging them, but multiple people lifting up the stretcher and carrying them through. Even as we are restored in our sin, there are some things in our lives that are heavy burdens. And they're heavy burdens to bear. While there are sin, our sins all have full absolution in Christ, and so don't hear me saying that there's some things that, some sins that will never have forgiveness, I mean that's not the case, obviously. But some of the, the sins that we have have, wound, have caused wounds that are so deep, whether our own sins, whether sins against us, whether sins we've done against others, they cause wounds that are so deep that they're never going to heal this side of heaven. We're never going to get to the place where we can say, I'm completely over that. Yes, we have forgiveness. Yes, we have Christ. But we live in a fallen world. We can expect to have these fallen kinds of experiences. We're all rocked with burdens like doubt and despair. We have anxiety about our lives, about the world around us. We have families that aren't perfect. We have relationships that come and go. These things wear on us and are often too, he- too heavy for us to carry alone. In fact, they almost always are. Obviously, most important is that we cast our cares onto Christ. We saw that in Psalm 55. We see that throughout the Scriptures in the New Testament. Christ tells us that His yoke is easy, His burden is light. The One who took the sins of the whole world upon Himself tells us to cast our cares upon Him, to find rest for our souls in Him. But he also tells us to bear one another's burdens. Not because he isn't able to lift them, not because he needs help, none of that at all, but because we can fulfill, as it says here in Galatians 6, we fulfill the law of Christ by doing so. Not only to love him, but also to love one another as he has loved us. And it's true that we all have a burden to bear ourselves. Verse 5 even says this, right? For each of us, we'll have to bear our own load. And that load is different for everybody. We all have this different load that we're carrying, right? But it's, And it's all the more reason, that personal load that oftentimes is hard to express to people, it's all the more reason why we show mercy to one another in our dealings with each other. Martin Luther said of this particular passage that this work of bearing one another's burdens requires strong shoulders and mighty bones is what he said and this is the part of the work uh, that here on earth that is probably one of the hardest things that we do as believers understand it's difficult i've been in churches for 20 years a lot of you have been in churches for that long you understand this is not an easy thing that we have been called to do But we do that because Jesus first did it for us and even continues to do so. In fact, we'll always do so. We're never going to get to the point where Jesus is going to stop carrying us throughout all eternity. We show the love of Christ by carrying one another along in this life. And one of the major ways that we do that is by teaching one another the truth. That brings us to the last point, teaching one another. Verse 6. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. This verse could really be put with next week's passage, and so we'll probably make that connection next week as well. But the act of uh, bearing one another's burdens is made lighter simply by knowing the truth. And how do we know the truth? Unless someone teaches us, right? We read that in Romans 10. This is obviously speaking to ministers and elders... Who are the primary teachers in the church? Per their descriptions in the Old and New Testaments. Yet this is a work that we are all doing in one capacity or another. Part of what shows us to be spiritual is that we are sharing with one another spiritual things. How's God working in your life? What are you learning about Him? We should be talking to these things about these things with one another. Part of bearing one another's burdens is understanding the truth of the gospel together. Restoration, bearing one another's burdens, comes most clearly and most succinctly when we have sound teaching from the pulpit, from the lectern, in every gospel conversation that is had in the church. This is how we build one another up in Christ Jesus. In every counseling book I've ever read, There's always a premium placed on relationships, on those who are struggling, no matter what degree they're struggling in, even the most severe things to the lightest kinds of things, that they are being completely integrated into the Christian community. You never read once that a person should be separated from the church in order to get better. That's not a fact, right? The church is only good for believers. Only the unbeliever would look at the church and think bad, right? The believer wants that in their lives. A true Christian community, in a true Christian community, the word is on the lips of the people. Not only is it's actually being read, but as they pray together, as they fellowship, as they sing together, as they go through life's struggles, as we watch one another go through life's struggles and difficulties We don't do that as judges. We do that in order to build one another up. That is the whole purpose. As we watch one another as our children watch us even, they watch, they listen, they learn how to do the same. Life is never going to get easier. The purpose of the Christian life is not to make it easy on ourselves. It's to deal with the life that we have and to bear one another's burdens in Christ. While it may seem profoundly spiritual to stand on a pole for 33 years, how much more spiritual is it to show the Spirit living inside of you as you minister to one another? In addition, you show your own weaknesses, and as we show our weaknesses to one another, what do we show? We show that Jesus is really the only strong one among us. We show Christ as we see each other's weaknesses. It's not wrong... To be weak, brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, that's who we are. And so it calls us to rely on Christ. And so Christians, be quick to restore one another. Be slow to anger. If everyone is your enemy, might be time to go look in the mirror and ask for forgiveness. Bear one another. We all walk with a limp. We can't do this alone. We have Jesus whose burden is light. We are called to cast our cares upon him, and he calls us also to love one another as he loves us, so to bear one another's burdens, to teach one another the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the unbeliever here, understand, just because you're outside the church, it doesn't make your burden light. In fact, your burden is much more heavy. It's the weight of all your sin which will be accounted to you which we weighed and measured on judgment day, and you will spend eternity paying for it in hell where the fire never dies. Cast your cares upon Jesus. Call upon his name and be saved. Repent. Believe the gospel. He is the only hope for salvation. In conclusion, brothers and sisters in Christ, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Teach the gospel. Teach it first to one another. Let us hear the word Jesus on our lips as we speak to one another. And then let us turn and teach it to the world who needs Him desperately. Let's go to Him in prayer. Our Lord Jesus, as we read Your Word, I confess my own Hardness so many times in bearing the burdens of others. Because it's hard. It's hard to get mixed up in the lives of others. To understand their struggles. To have them even to see your own struggles. So Lord help us. Forgive us. Help us to bear one another. As you have so willingly done so for us even to the point of going to the cross of dying for each of us so that we could have a burden that is light so that we could know you and have forgiveness lord help us to be ambassadors to a lost world to share this message we pray this in jesus name amen